Hey guys, I just want to tell you a little bit about our Podcasts app which is now live on the App Store. It's the world's first audio-driven app for experiencing medicine. Every week you can step into the shoes of doctors with an engaging case and quiz. Download now and have a look for yourself. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well. Today we're super excited to share with you all who we have with us a guest, Dr. Bahta Ahmed, probably more famous and known as The Medic Life. Um, he's someone that I've, I'm in awe. He's done so many amazing things, which we'll touch on later today. But he graduated from Bart's, did a previous seat in pre-hospital medicine, and of course he's known for The Medic Life, where he has helped thousands of students get into medical school and has that been that beacon of light and hope for so many of them. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Bro. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much um, for inviting me onto this amazing podcast. I've been listening to quite a few episodes actually, and it's great what you guys have built as well. So honestly, it's a true honor to be here amongst you guys and and just have a Thanks, chat. Bro. You know, so it's always a good, a good fun listen. I'm sure all of your viewers yeah. enjoy or listeners. No, of Absolutely. course. Um, so there's so much to talk about, um, and I think. A lot of it is around the medic life, how it started, yeah. life as an F2, life as a junior doctor. But it's always quite good um, and nice to hear how it all started. So take us to the very beginning um, when you finally decided, you know what, I want to be a doctor, I want to apply for medical school. And let's start from there up until yeah. present day. All right. Um, to be honest, I can't really pinpoint an exact point when I wanted to be a doctor. So. A little bit of a history story. So my dad was an orthopedic surgeon. So since a very young age, you know, I always saw him um, mm. like just just do his thing. And this was in Pakistan. So I was born in Pakistan. And I remember a few times, you know, I'd, I'd just be I'd just go to work with him because, you know, in countries like Pakistan, you don't have that many regulations. So, you know, whereas here, mm. for example, you can't just take your t- take your little boy to work. <laughs> whereas, you know, he was like, you know, what, you got a day off. Let me let me take you to my clinic. Um, and I just mm. remember sitting in the clinic with him a few times and things like that and just just naturally getting interested in in medicine and seeing mm-hmm. like you know my dad he's able to fix people's problems and things and I thought that was amazing so that's that's kind of where it kind of began and it was like a slow um desire to want to be a doctor and every exam I would do would be like you know what if I mm-hmm. do well in this maybe one day I'll become a doctor so yeah it was just like the motivation was always there from a very young age um yeah. and then we moved to the UK um and this was when I was in year five and obviously, by that mm. point, I think I was pretty much set on, you know, if anyone would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'd be like, I want to be a doctor. So I don't know exactly mm. when it happened, but it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And I know it sounds mm. a bit cliche, but, you know, genuinely, there was nothing else that I was like, maybe I'll do this. It was just it was just mm. always I want to do do, be, do medicine. I want to be a doctor. And I'll come on to this a bit later because um, later on, I'll tell you guys how when I didn't get in first time and what it did to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, so fast forward a few more years, <clears throat> go through go through school, go through A levels. Like even my A levels, I was like, okay, well, I looked at all the universities. I was like, these are the kind of universities I'm interested in applying for, and what subjects do they want? So a lot of them wanted like biology, chemistry. They didn't really care much about anything else. But I was like, okay, I'll do three sciences and maths. The typical medic choice: three sciences, biology, mm. chemistry, physics, and maths. <laughs> and that's what I selected. Did those, um, you know, did all right in them. And then this is when I came to applying. So AS year, I remember everyone's applying. I was quite lucky. I went to a school called Tiffin Boys in Kingston. Mm-hmm. 
So this was oh, a really good yeah, school. I, I know yeah. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah. this, so the the crazy thing for me was I went to I went to just a normal state school um, for for GCSEs, um, and it was like I I, just, I remember there was that one time I was walking past a notice board, and forty five percent of the students in that school were getting five A stars to C, and wow. that's wow. quite an intimidating figure if you think about that 55% of kids in the school, more than half, weren't even getting five Cs, yeah? Yeah. And and that's kind of, again, the beginning and the roots of why I started The Medic Life, which I'll come on to. But yeah, so, you know, education wasn't great in this school. Um, it was mm. in, in a quite a deprived area. So, so yeah, anyways, I you know, I, I worked hard, so did some of my friends, and we did all right and managed to get a decent grade. And then I went mm. to a grammar school, Tiffin Boys, for my mm. for my A-levels. And this was a completely different world, this place, yeah? This is like, I remember, and again, it's weird because I still have this vivid memory. I was walking past their main corridor, and you know how most schools advertise their schools and everything? Um, Mm. And these guys, it was 99% five A stars to A, not even A stars to C. Wow. So 99% Mm. of their kids were getting five A stars to A's at least. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and there's always that one percent. Even if you look at medicine, like you know, ninety nine percent of people get jobs because one percent something happens and things like that. But anyway, mm. so that was the difference between the two schools. And again, you know, that's the difference with good education what it can do. And and mm. we'll come on to that again later on. So yeah. So I applied to med school. So the first year I applied was I applied to St George's. Um, applied to Imperial. Where else did I apply to? I applied to Kings. And Nottingham. Yes. So the <laughs> right. Of course, you guys are going to be excited <laughs> about that, aren't you? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so, my older brother, he was currently at that time, he was a med student at Nottingham. So I was like, you know what? I'll mm. put Nottingham down. I kind of wanted to stay in London, hence why three of the unis were in London. Um, my thinking was, um, from from a very young age, I've been looking up to my older brother Bilal. Right. Um, my mm. thinking was, this guy. You know, he did really well. He did well in his GCSEs. He did amazing in his A-levels and everything. And he got in. So if I do better at every stage, surely I'll get in. And that was the thinking yeah. of a 17-year-old boy at that time. Um, you know, not really thinking about much else. So GCSEs, you know, I did better than him. Uh, A-levels, I, I did, I think, the same around this. Yeah, I did about the same. And then UCAT, I did better than him. BMAT, I did slightly better than him. So I was like, okay. At that point, I was feeling pretty confident. I was like, you know what? This is going to go great. I'm going to get into med school. I'm going to be a doctor, live my dream. So I apply. Um, a month goes by, I, I get, I hear interviews from St. George's and King's and they were both one day after the other. I think St. George's was first and then King's was the second one on the second consecutive days. And I remember going to my interview and this is another thing, right? At that stage, there was just not enough things out there for for med students, for, for prospective medical students mm-hmm. looking to apply to medical school. Like, you know, I had to self-teach myself the UCAT because the courses at that time were so expensive, some of them in excess of 300 pounds. And again, yeah, you yeah. know, being, being from an immigrant family, not, mm. you know, very affluent at all. I didn't even approach my mom to say, mom, I think this course will be good for me because I need to sit this UCAT exam for, for medical school. Um, I didn't even go to her because I was like, you know, we're going to struggle to afford 200 pounds. So I was like, you know what, I'll just teach myself. And that's what I did. And luckily, mm-hmm. I managed to get first decile and that was great. Um, but yeah, anyway, so going forward again for interviews, there just wasn't anything out there. there especially there wasn't anything. 
there wasn't anything out there for for an affordable price anyway. So then um, I was like, you know, what? I kind of asked Bilal to help me, my older brother. He helped me a bit. A few other people just, you know, mock interviewed me and these little things. And that was it. And I went into my into having never done anything quite like it before. Um, and naturally, I didn't do very well. So St. George's, um, mm-hmm. I didn't do well at all. That was my first interview. And then the next day I went to King's. I was so worked up from how I did badly yeah. at my St. George's interview. Um, did you feel having left that interview that you knew you kind of didn't do as great or you didn't perform as well was yeah, that already yeah, there yeah okay. i felt that and i think and i think mm-hmm. that was part of the reason why the next day i had kind of stressed myself out a bit more right mm-hmm. so i went to king's and again king's was a much shorter interview it was about 10 to 15 minutes long it was a panel interview at that time um and then you know they asked me a few questions i think they could probably tell i was really nervous and therefore not giving the best answers and i think at that point again this is another another little story inside the brain of a 17 18 year old at that point um you're thinking like you know um what do these guys want to hear and i tried to model my answers to say things that i thought they wanted me to say rather than being myself and i think that was another mistake i made anyways i hear back a few weeks later i didn't get in for george's again i heard back another few days later i didn't get into king's and i was like you know okay well that's all right maybe i'll get more interviews and then things will be all right and I waited months. And in the end, it got to like mm. April, May. And by that time, I'd heard back from Imperial and Nottingham saying, you've been rejected. And I remember actually, I was like, so this is one thing I used to do because my commute was so long to to school. I'd go to school, come back um, for my sixth form and then have a little nap. And I remember waking up from the nap to my last email. You know, that horrible email that something's changed on the, your yeah. UCAS. Yeah. Um, it just, it's like, it just tells you right there. And so I, had that, I remember that email and it just felt horrible, man. Like my entire life, I felt like I've been working towards something and it mm. didn't work. And I was devastated, to be honest. And I was like, okay, fine. And I, and I, I remember I didn't tell anyone for like a day. I like wanted to mm. just process it myself as to, because it was, it's just that one email said to me, you don't know what you're doing with your life anymore. Mm. And that that's a big thing, isn't it? Like, and I, and I know today's world, a lot of people know that, especially with what's happening with COVID. You know, we're, mm. we're quite fortunate in the sense that we have a job. I have a lot of friends who, who are struggling at the moment. And COVID has done mm. a lot, not in terms of just your financial security, but your health as well. Mm. So these things... How these did you go about... Yeah. How did you go about processing that? Because there's a lot of people, unfortunately, in mm. that position today, of course. Uh, where they've just been like, "Oh, I've just been rejected from everywhere," or because yeah. of the way the grades were done, they just don't have that place anymore. How how did you process that? So this is when you realize that your family and your close friends, you kind of find out who your good friends are in moments like these. Yeah. Um, so the my I was always I was quite lucky that I had my family and my friends as my support group, um, and these guys you know they they helped me kind of get over it. I'm I'm someone who just talks to people, so and I would highly encourage people to do that at any point if you're going through a struggle in life, you know, and you guys being doctors as well, you understand that the work we do is high pressure and things like that. You know, obviously maintain confidentiality at all times, but it's just nice to let things off your chest sometimes and yeah. have that good social group have that have that certain someone or some group of people that you can talk to and discuss things with and that's exactly what i did and weirdly enough those friends at that time who i'd only actually known for like a year and a bit because most of them were from sixth form um those guys are still some of my best friends to this day and we'll come on to it later these guys are still you know they're still here 
helping with the mm. medic life and they're just making yeah. the dream happen. And I think moments like right. these make you realize who your true friends are. Um, and, and yeah, so I think that was, again, a blessing in disguise to kind of, um, to kind of learn from that. So yeah, so during my gap year, I was like, so in that moment, I was thinking, okay, well, gap year is here now. I'm going to have to start planning, which is another thing I would say. If you guys are unfortunately in that situation where you haven't got in, it's not the end of the world. Okay, take a few days to process it all, but start planning what you're going to do. Um, and that's what I did. So I was like, okay, well, gap is here. So I need to, my two main aims were firstly, I need to improve my application to get stronger. And the second thing was to get my grades. Yeah. Because if I got yeah. my three A's at A level, I can pretty much apply again. So that's, mm. those were my two aims. So I started working on both. I started sending out applications for jobs and I started working hard for my A-levels. Again, fast forward a few months, I managed to do all right in my A-levels. I ended up with two A's, stars and two A's. So I was like, okay, at least that mm. stuff is secure. And then at the same time, I started applying for jobs and I managed to get a job with the NHS blood and transplant. So I used to work as a donor carer. Um, and mm. basically anyone who comes in to donate blood, I would be with them from start to finish um, do their little questionnaire at the beginning, you know, take their blood, um, store the blood and basically give them drinks at the end or drink and a snack at the end and stuff. And yeah, the best nice. thing was that during the donation, which can be anything between five to 15 minutes, I had to stay with them because you want to make sure that nothing happens. You don't want to make sure, you know, you're, they're losing a pint of blood. You, you don't want them to go mm. into hypertensive shock or anything like that. I mean, most people mm, can yeah. compensate, but some people did feel bad. Um, mm. So... It's all about identifying those signs. So you have to be with them. And I think that there was the thing that changed me forever in, in the most amazing way. Like learning how mm. to talk to people from all walks of life about anything and mm. everything. And, and even now when I look back at it and I think, you know, I can trace everything I've managed to do with my life that is good. I've, I can trace it back to that moment when I got my final rejection. Because had mm. it not been a rejection... I think I would have gone to a very different path. I would have lived mm. a very different life because I wouldn't have mm. learned a lot of the things that I know now. So mm. yeah, so so that's kind of like how it felt initially when when I kind of um, when I kind of didn't get in. So for me, that job was amazing. It did wonders for my character building, but also at the mm -hmm. same time, I worked full time as an as an eighteen year old. And I had a pretty decent salary, right? Like, I mean, mm. it was it wasn't it was amazing. But at that time, for an eighteen year old, like earning about twenty yeah. k salary was great for me. I was like, mm, wow, this is course. this is crazy. Um, and being someone who's really, really, really into cars, I was saving up a mm. lot. And I was like, I'm gonna spend all of this on a car at the end. <laughs> it's not always the wisest decision, but you know what? That's if if you love something, you gotta do it. Exactly. You yeah. gotta. Um, you gotta do it, so yeah. yeah. So then, so then, yeah, I applied again and. This is the bit, because you guys asked me the question earlier about how I felt about my interview right after at George's. Hmm. So the second time around, when I came out of my, my first interview was Queen Mary, uh, but hmm. when I came out of that interview, I basically was just so happy. I knew I'd done it. Um, like, you just know, because it just went so well. And part of the reason for that is because I felt so comfortable, because to me, that interview was just like talking to the donor to the donors that I used to talk to at work. Um, and then, and the second thing I did was I stopped trying to give them answers that I thought they wanted to hear. I became myself. Right. And I think the, like, if you think about the number of people that apply for medicine, like I do a lot of research into this, right? So about, you know, somewhere between 25,000 to 30,000 people apply for medicine each year, medicine or dentistry. Um, some that figure fluctuates, but it's around that figure. And 
you know, what, what sets you apart? How many different variations of why medicine can there be to your answer? There can't be that many. What sets each person apart is that person themselves. And one of the things I try to encourage and kind of like, you know, kind of build out of people is when they come to the interview course, for example, is try and be yourself because no one else is you. And there's something in your life that has shaped you and made you think the way you do now that no one else can ever replicate. Everyone has their own story. And I think at that point, when you can reach that, that is when your application becomes so much stronger and not just your medical school or dental school application, I think anything in life. Um, and again, you know, using that principle, I, I remember I counted once I've had like about 14 interviews in the last few years for different things like BSCs, jobs, um, you know, you name it, all sorts of things. And I've been successful at each one of them. The main reason being, mm not because I think I'm better than other people. Hell no, that's definitely not the case. If anything, um, I'll tell you guys about the, one of the fellowships that I, I was a recipient of. I was the mm. least qualified person applying for that. But mm. I think because I was truly myself, and I think that's mm. where the passion shone through. I think in, on yeah. paper, I was probably the weakest candidate, but in terms of passion, I don't think anyone could have beaten me. And I think that's Nothing what they saw. Yeah. And, mm. and I think when you go to, when you go to any interview, anyone anyone applying for jobs or anyone taking someone for like a job or or medicine or anything that's all they want they just want someone who's passionate because when you're passionate you can do anything because you have the drive mm. to do it right so yeah Absolutely. so then um had my bots interview got an offer there again went to newcastle my brother bilal took me up to newcastle um and again he was waiting in the waiting room and i remember when i came out of it um i just i, I don't remember exactly what i did but i did something to kind of just say to him like yeah we did it um, and again, a few weeks later, I heard back from Newcastle. So I had two offers, Newcastle and Bots. Um, chose Bots because I wanted to go to I wanted to go to London. I wanted to live at home. Um, and as I was telling you guys earlier, the commute an hour and ten minutes door to door. You know, did that for six <laughs> wow. years. Did that for wow. six years. Um, I used to actually work on the train, so it wasn't actually too bad in the end. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, you did have an hour and ten minutes to revise mm. every single day. <laughs> it was <laughs> so that was just one way. On the way back, I used to try and revise, but on the way back, man, I was so tired. I'd be like, you know what? Let's yeah. just let's yeah. just do my music. But the way there, mm. the number of the number of people next to me have seen X-rays. They've seen like you know anatomy pictures. <laughs> they've imagine. seen all sorts because I I used to do my <laughs> I used to do my lectures on the train. Um, obviously, some yeah. lectures you can't do because they're too inappropriate. You know, too bloody or too gory. Yes. Um, but yeah. all the anatomy stuff i remember everyone used to get so interested like everyone used to be looking over my shoulder to see what i'm learning that was pretty cool not gonna <laughs> lie um but yeah so that's that's pretty much my my journey into medicine mm. um and i know you guys asked me about about where the medic life started as well and it's kind of like mm. it kind of stems from you know talking about <clears throat> the school i went to for example you know that school mm, yeah. um hardly anyone had made you know you know it's, it's like it's, it's sad because the kind of environment you're in, it makes a huge difference to what, what you end up doing and, and the really kind does. of influences you have and, and the support that's available. So yeah, that absolutely. school, you know, if you, if you asked a lot of the people, the teachers, they just wouldn't really know what even to do for a medical school application. Yeah. Mm. Um, whereas then the, in the sixth form I went to, <clears throat> every year they were churning out 25 to 30 kids who were going to medical dental school and then on top of that another 10 15 kids who were going to oxbridge yeah so this school was really really experienced and that's the difference <clears throat> between different areas and affluent areas and not so affluent areas mm. 
and it was just something that because it personally affected me i'd always been interested and i was like you know what be the change you want to see in the world so mm. i was like let me do something about that <clears throat> anyway the i started working for i started working for quite a large company at, in my third year of med school um mm. I, I won't name them um but like yeah i started working for this company that used to do interview courses that used to do ucat stuff and things like that so i used to do a lot of their ucat courses um, across the country, of you know, they've flown me out to um, Glasgow, um, all the way up oh, wow. north as well, and like you know, I used mm. to basically do it all over. And I remember they were saying like you, like in two of the years that I worked with them, they were like you do the mm. most courses out of everyone, because I just loved mm. teaching. Like for me, it was great. I I loved interacting with students. You know, made it. That's mm. where <clears throat> that's where I really learned how much I enjoy teaching. But yeah. then. The problem again was there once I started thinking, I was like, yeah, you know, these guys are paying me great. There's a lot of perks. Mm. So whenever I used to go to a different city, they would pay you quite a decent amount to have food, for example. You won't believe oh, wow. my, my daily budget for food was £33, which if you think, what? I know, oh, wow. I know, right? <laughs> which if you think for a, for a second year student or a third year medical student, that's a lot. Like you know, that's I a week's to, budget. Yeah, yeah. I used, to, I used to, <laughs> literally. Bro, I used to treat myself to a steak on a Friday. Like it was great. Yeah. So that well played. Well played. <laughs> yeah. The, well that, deserved. <laughs> now you see why I was doing so many of these courses. But no, honestly, like <laughs> jokes aside, like yeah, it was great. You know, they they paid the teachers really well, and the reason they were able to do mm. that is because they were getting so much money from the students. So they were mm, easily able to do course. that. Mm. Um, anyway, and I was thinking like, okay, I do like the job. I love the fact that I'm working with, you know, with young people that you can influence and in a positive way and you can encourage them and you can persuade them in, in you know, like motivate with them basically about what they should do with their life. Um, you know, try and get those things in there early, make them hardworking and all those things. I love that side of things. Like, I don't know. I think having younger brothers as well, I'm probably in myself. I do see myself as a bit of a coach into like guiding people. Yeah. Um, and as mm -hmm. doctors, we are in a way, aren't we? Like, you know, we guide yeah. people. We tell them what they should, what, what we think they should do. Um, and then obviously yeah. try and encourage them into living mm -hmm. the best and the healthiest life they can. So I think that was there from quite an early age. And, that, and that's the bit I loved most about that job. And obviously the stakes. Um, but of like, course. you know, so, so it was quite a decision when it came to the decision that I was going to leave. So, um, and I'd been thinking about it for a while because I also had private students one-to-one -one, and these guys were paying mm. extortionate prices, man. It was, it was mm. a lot of money, which mm. a normal person would not be able to afford. And again, you know, going back and again, at the end of the day, it is a company, it's the business. It's a very well sell business and they're running it very well and making a lot of money from it. But hmm. I was thinking more about the people who were being affected, you know, yeah. the people who can afford these courses and afford the really, really, really high tutoring prices. They're going to hmm. get great tutoring and they're going to get great things to learn and they will probably hmm. make it. But then what about what about other people? What about people like me when I was 17 who hmm. just didn't have the funds to go hmm. and get something useful um, to kind of make a positive difference to their to their to their life and also to their application so that's mm. when i was like you know what okay fine and and i made that decision and i remember i, I said i sent an email saying you know i've i've had a great time you know I, mm. I had a really good relationship with my managers at that company and and they were lovely to me mm. and they're really good people and i said you know what i've had a great time 
but but I'm going to leave. Um, and and they yeah. were like, yeah, sure, fine. And you know, I signed the contract and everything. And I looked through my contract, and there was like you know all the non-compete clause and stuff. So I waited. Mm. Um, and then once that wait was over, a few months later. Um, you know, I started designing my course from scratch mm-hmm. and that thing oh. took a while, man. It took ages. And alongside a medical school degree, you can imagine it's like, you know, yeah. two, two full time things that you're doing. Yeah. So that's basically like, you know, I spent months and months designing a course, you know, thinking about what things again, using that experience I'd had from years of teaching as well. I had about three, four years of teaching experience, um, putting in things that I, I knew would be super useful. Um, and then really just going from there. And then when I launched it, and I remember the day I launched the company, um, because the main idea was it was going to be it was going to be a lot of free, free tutorials, and a lot mm. of very, very, very affordable courses. And I remember the mm-hmm. day I launched the company, the website crashed because so many people wanted to sign up <laughs> to it. And that was like the nicest Perfect. thing ever. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, when you put your work into when you put work into something, and it doesn't yeah. work out. I've had that feeling yeah. with my first application. But then I that was mm. that was slightly different. I'd put in months and months of work, <clears throat> and it was just nice to have people appreciate it that you're doing something yeah, for them. Um, and mm. again, you know, we, I'm sure you guys can relate to this as well. You have, you know, you have some good patients and you have some not so good patients. The ones that you yeah. know, you'll give them health advice and they just won't do it, and mm. and it it kind of hurts a little bit, doesn't it? It's like you know, like I mm, want does, you yeah. to get better, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to force you to live your life a certain way. So. But mm-hmm. it's really nice to see those patients who do listen, who then get better and they live a great life and mm-hmm. they're grateful. And I think yeah. that is the beauty of our job. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, so going back to that again. So my initial thing was I was I went to a lot of schools. So last year when I launched the company in April, I had a few months So after I did my elective to just before I started F1. I had a few months mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm just going to go to a lot of schools. So I contacted a lot of schools, mainly focusing on deprived schools. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember going to them and just doing like a two hour tutorial, giving them an a, like a to Z on what to do mm-hmm. with their medical school application, things that I knew these schools mm-hmm. would have no idea on. And yeah. mm-hmm. the feedback I had from not just the students, the teachers as well. I remember a lot of these teachers used to come up to me. They'd be like, how do you do this? Not a single person mm. spoke whilst you were teaching. Because, you know, you know, when you go to some schools, like uh, like yeah. the kind of school I went to, like, you know, no one would listen to the teachers. Everyone would be loud in the class <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I went to those kind of schools, but these kids started listening. And the teachers wow. were just blown yeah. away. They would come to me. They'd be like, afterwards, they'd be like, how do you do this? Like, I have never seen them this quiet in my entire life. And that was multiple mm. school teachers who said that to me in different schools. And I was yeah. like, you know what it is? It's because these guys, they are getting something that they know will change their life in a positive way. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when you get that information, why wouldn't you want to listen? So it exactly. goes to show that no matter what kind of school place you go to, if you're given the right stuff, it really does yeah. kind of shape your future. So, yeah, so I started doing that. So I went to a lot of schools and then and then the course that I ran, um, the UCAT courses mainly, I designed them to be one of the cheapest in the country at that, at that point. So they were, hmm. so as opposed to the 300 plus courses that I used to previously teach um, I mm. was charging about 55 last year and then of course there's a the medical life bursary as well um, mm. which kind of knocks yeah. off another 50% so if you if you calculate it um, with the bursary so if you're not from you know uh, if you're from an area with low economic backgrounds like I used to be um, with not a great household income so if your household income is below 20k um, mm. you're basically paying three pounds an hour for the course which as wow. far as tutoring yeah. goes I don't think it gets much cheaper than that <laughs> yeah um, 
and and yeah so that that's and and the only reason that's there is i actually learned you know someone actually said to me well why don't you just make it free for people hmm. uh from low economic backgrounds and i and i used to do kickboxing um and hmm. you know i used to do as part of like the mosque i used to go to um hmm. there's a there's a guy called iftikhar Ch- chadri um and he hmm. is actually a mayor now um a mayor of, hmm. of of a council in london um and he was like a double olympic medalist and he used to teach us kickboxing oh, wow. And I mm-hmm. and I remember he he said to me he so he used to do it for free for the mosque, mm. and then he started charging one pound, right? Mm. And he said to us, he's like, guys, I don't want your pound, but what it does is it means that you are going to be noticing the difference that you're paying one pound, which is not mm. a lot of money, but mm. because you're putting in something, you're going to get more results out for yourself, and you're going to be yeah. more dedicated for the class as well. And I think that is something, that's something, that's the reason why the medic life bursary doesn't make the course free. Because when you put yeah. something into something, you are naturally mm-hmm. going to work harder for it. And I think that, that's, yeah, so that's the reason, again, behind that. Because I've had a lot of people ask me, a lot of my friends, a lot of my close mm-hmm. friends have asked me this question. And I'm like, this is why. Like, that three mm-hmm. pounds an hour does, you know, that is not important to me at all. But what mm-hmm. it will do for the students is it will give them give them that sense of putting something in and give them that sense mm. of hard work. Mm, yeah. So yeah, so that's pretty much with the medic life. And then, and then we started doing the interview courses. And again, mm. I used to do a few interview courses for other companies. I've done it for other organizations. Mm. And a lot of them, I just used to think like, there's so much more you could do. Like an yeah. interview course should be divided into two parts mainly. One where you kind of give them some guidance and information. And mm. a lot of companies kind of go too far. They give too much information. They bombard mm. the students with like hours and hours and worth of lectures. Mm. And again, everyone has their own opinions. In my opinion, I think that is a very passive way of learning. And a lot mm. of students that I work with are not, you know, passive way of learning is probably the least effective. Like, I'm sure mm. you guys can relate as well, right? We've been to med school, mm. like lectures and then actually going to your clinical placements. They are two different things. Like I still remember a lot of my conditions that I learned in lectures, but I Mm. know them because I saw real people, real patients with Mm. those conditions. And that's how I remember them. So, yeah. So, so a lot of companies do like, you know, they'll do interview courses where it's just lecture based and then maybe they'll do like a one-to-one mock interview and stuff like that. And I wanted, I wanted something which was just complete. It had everything. Mm, And it's difficult to do that within a certain number of hours because so, for example, the interview courses we ran last year, and uh, things have changed significantly this year. But the mm. ones that we ran last year was you you come along, you you see, uh, you know, you get told a bit about half an hour, an hour worth of information, which kind of are mm. crucial things. And then we just do mock interview stuff. And, and this is the bit. Feedback is so important because mm. that's how we learn. You know, you make a mistake, exactly. you learn from it. If you did something good, well, this is how you can do it better. Right. So mm. these things and that's what we really champion at the interview course. So there's like, you know, there'll be between 10 to 12 stations. And after each station, you will get personalized feedback. And that's another thing. When I was doing the other interview courses and other stuff, it was generic feedback. I don't mm. like generic feedback. You might as well not give any. What's the point of giving everyone mm. the same feedback? Right. Yeah. Feedback has to be personal to that individual and then tell them how they can improve and get better. So yeah, so that's what we really do. And I think and and I think people are starting to see that. So last year we had amazing success. I have like so many people who are coming back to me like, oh my God, your course was great. Um, I got into med school, I got into dental school and it's just the most rewarding feeling, man. Honestly, nothing is nicer. And a lot of people ask me like, what's your future career plans? 
Hmm. And I think I want to do part-time medicine and part-time the medic life and just carry on really because both are so rewarding. Um, yeah. And, you know, and the, and the nicest thing is some of these students, they, they hmm. stay in touch. And some of them, yeah. you know, I helped years and years ago, you know, for example, um, one it's amazing story. One of these guys, um, his name is McGee's, mm. um, he, he actually helps out with the medic life, right? He does interview oh, stuff wow. with us. I, five, six years ago, I, get, I did some interview prep with him. Um, he is a guy from America um, and, and family friends. So I just FaceTimed him, never met the guy before. We just FaceTimed. I did a mock interview with him. This was when I was mm. like in second year of med school and I gave him some advice and he got in. And then, and then now, you know, we, we, we're really good friends. He's in final year now. Um, and oh, yeah, wow. it just goes to show how, how things really, really make a difference. And just like, you know, you, you have those oh, good friendships that last I forever. I can really relate to your project because, mm. um, so I've been born and bred in sort of East London state yeah. schools. You're right. The teachers, because they didn't have any experience for, from mm. their students getting into medicine, they had no experience. They had no idea how to guide anyone. Yeah. And, and often as a result, they actually say, don't bother applying, apply, mm. apply for something else. You'll be amazed um, at the number of people that come to me who say, my teacher told me I shouldn't apply. And I think exactly, it yeah. breaks my heart. It really does, man. Like, mm, you know, yeah. I don't think anyone has a right to tell someone that you shouldn't do something or you shouldn't do this if you have a dream. What they should alternatively Absolutely. do is be like, okay, let's sit down with your grades. Okay, this is where you're a little bit weak. If you put this work in this, you have a good chance. But sadly, it's got to the stage where because they don't know, they, they mm. just think that person will never make it. I've seen so many students who have started off with really weak grades who with the right yeah. encouragement have turned it around and made exactly. life out of it. And and I think exactly. if someone is passionate, and I said to this earlier, I said to you guys earlier, right? What interviewers look for mm. and what a lot of jobs, um, you know, employees look for, sorry, employers look for is whether someone is passionate enough to actually do something to put themselves in a position that's going to make them a strong candidate. And I think yeah, everyone absolutely. has that no matter what age you are. Um, but yeah, and I think, I think, and that's what I initially wanted to do. And, and with COVID, of course, you know, this year I couldn't go mm. out to, I couldn't mm. physically go out to schools, but I just see a lot of things as, you know, good or bad, there are things to learn. And what COVID has taught us is you can reach so many people using technology that we have that we never used to use before. You know, like when have no, you ever done like Zoom conferences and lectures and talks and things before? We never, we hardly ever did. Like unless you were exactly, in like yeah. unless you were in like different parts of the country or different parts of the world, you wouldn't think about it. But now mm. so much happens on on virtual platforms, and you know now we can do we can do like events like those, the ones when I was going to these schools, on a, such a large scale. For example, um, around July time we did a work ex experience workshop because a lot of students couldn't get work experience; they were stressing out. So mm. knowing some of the contacts I had, some of my friends who are doctors or dentists and things, I got a lot of them together and we put out, we put out a work experience workshop, which lasted about two, mm. three hours. And we had mm. about 2000 people sign up to that, which, you know, wow. is, is oh, incredible. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, and it was completely free. So that's the thing, mm. you know, why I don't want people paying for that kind of stuff. Mm. And, and yeah, mm. so that's the kind of stuff that the medic life is basically all about. And then, you know, the longer courses, yes, we do charge because a lot of that is to cover mm. costs. Mm. A lot of, of good people give up their time. Mm. A lot of amazing mm. people give up their very precious time. And I'm sure you guys know when you work full time as a doctor, you don't yeah. have time. That's the one thing you no, don't have. So a lot of, you yeah. know, a lot of my good friends, you know, they, you know, they don't expect anything in return, but I 
want them to have at least something in return. And then you've got mm. all the cost of website running and things like that. So that's why those costs are there. And the best thing is that the people signing up to these courses understand that. Yeah. No, um, that's and, that's and you've created access. That's the, yeah. that's the beautiful <laughs> thing where, where people have had no access to a mentor, mm. to a guiding individual. There's someone who's relatable, who, who's had the experience of going to such a school mm. and you've gone back to basically <laughs> just, just give, be that guiding person. And it's amazing what you're doing. I want to thank you for doing that. Oh, for I really appreciate it. Man. As well, man. It's, it's just the most rewarding thing, you know, when, when yeah, someone absolutely. comes out of like, you know, they don't really know what to do. <clears throat> and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, a few few months later, you get a message from that same person yeah. saying, "I got I in. Imagine. Like, thank you so much." And and the and the weirdest thing is, like, you know, I barely do anything. Like, all I'm I'm just like mm. kind of guiding them in the right direction, giving them a few tips here and there, helping them a bit with their UCAT, helping them a bit with their interview course. And then for then someone to turn around and be like, "Oh, I couldn't have got in without you." I'm just like, "Whoa, this is this is big." Yeah. Like, no, you put in hours. These people are putting yeah, in months like... and months of work and hours and hours of work, and then giving me all the credit for it, which I do not like. You know, I don't deserve all of it at all. It's just like a very no. tiny, tiny, tiny proportion, if that. But it's just the nicest feeling in the world, and that's why I love what I do, and that's why when yeah. I come home at midnight from my evening shift, like I did <laughs> yesterday, sitting down on my laptop for another two, three hours doesn't bother me because it's just no. so such a nice feeling to actually just get put in that work and i think and that, <clears throat> i think that's yeah. the difference between the medic life and any other company out there there's a lot of good companies out there there's a lot of good people out there the difference between what i'm trying to do and i think other companies is, is just how much i'm willing to put in and the mm. care that we have for our students you know how much Definitely. we care about them and and trying to make a true difference that's, I think that's that's no. a real goal of the medic life. And I think the other thing you do, which is it's really nice to see, it's you're very engaging with like your followers on Instagram, mm -hmm. with a lot of people, and you give a great insight into the working life as a doctor, which is very difficult to get, especially yeah. from backgrounds where from where you know where disadvantaged. Like we never know what it feels like to be a doctor. We never see that, but. You do that and you interact, yeah. Couldn't mm. be more right because it's it's difficult. It's not easy because there's a very fine balance between confidentiality, of course, what we do at yeah. work, um, being professional at work, and then also at the same time guiding the future generation of doctors. It's very yeah. difficult, um, and and you know, and there is that very there is that it's a bit of a gray area, but there is that clear cut line is. You know, if you notice, the only time I'll ever be doing those stories about what my what I'm doing at work will always be when I'm walking mm. from a ward to another ward. You know, it will yeah, rarely yeah. ever be stood in one place because at that time I'm not doing anything else. You know, mm. so in that in mm. in that corridor and you know in that mm. corridor maintaining confidentiality, I can give them a bit of information about. You know what? I saw a really interesting case. This is what I you know this mm. is what I did, or this is what a CT scan is. And I and I realized that mm, these yeah. sometimes I put up these quizzes as well, like, oh, what do you think of this ECG? And I think. You know, a lot of a lot of my friends who come to me, a lot of like, you know, students who, who have just applied for medicine, they're like, oh, my God, this is the first time I've seen an ECG. What is it? Exactly. And then mm -hmm. and it's just building that interest in, you know, making it making making them feel that learning about stuff is actually quite cool. Because when you're quite young, yeah. you've, you kind of you kind of see education as quite an uncool topic. Yeah. But you know what? When you when you teach someone that education can then translate into saving people's life immediately mm. people understand the gravity of that situation no, of course. And, I think, and i think stuff like that so I, yeah and i think and i'm quite fortunate enough to again you know have the instagram account and have people who mm. who do like what i do 
and and I think mm. part of that reason again is because it's just it's just doing something for the benefit of others and just being noticed no. for it and and, and that's you're that, genuine that thinking, yeah yeah that's a really nice thing you know passion yeah I don't expect no yeah. I'm, I'm glad you guys say that because it is that really does mean everything to me and and mm. that's exactly why I do what I do because otherwise spending hours and hours a day because like even replying to the DMs because that's one thing I like to yeah. do as well anyone who messages <laughs> yeah. me. Um, it may be a bit delayed because I get too many sometimes, but everyone does get a reply like about, you know, useful stuff, what they should do, what they can do. And that's that's another thing I kind yeah. of like pride myself on that. You will have that one person that you can come to ask for advice and you will get advice. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm conscious of time and I know you got work later in the evening. Yeah. I just quickly <laughs> want to touch upon yes. work. So you've set up the medic life you finally got into medical school you've gone through that you've worked yeah. hard you've graduated how has being an f1 f2 been how has that junior doctor life treating you tell so, us a bit about that i think initially i found it i found it quite difficult to manage my time and i'm sure you guys can relate as well because initially mm. it's like you know you're new to the job and i think the biggest jump is between medical school and f1 i don't think there's a bigger jump yeah. in life <clears throat> sorry excuse me um so yeah so i think that jump for me um it took a few weeks again i was quite lucky i had an amazing team at work and i think one of the best things about work is the people i work with and all of them are incredible mm. and i get along with them very well and and all of us together kind of helped each other through um so yeah so things like that so i think that that's what made it slightly easier but i found it really difficult at first to manage my time Right. I mean, mm, all of a sudden yeah. you go from medical school um, where you kind of you kind of like learning. You, you're not expected to be in every day, nine to five. Like, you know, you some days. Yes, but not every day. Um, yeah. And then you have the weekend to yourself. You have evenings to yourself. And you also, of course, you have a bit of studying as well. But when you become a doctor, you're doing on calls, you're doing night shifts, you're doing weekend shifts. It's like it just moves around a lot, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And that initially for the first few months, I struggle with a little bit. Um, you know, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to be able to manage that and the medical life and do everything outside my life at the same mm. time and get enough sleep? It's just, there's just not enough yeah. hours in the day. But then as you become, as you do more and more, you become more and more efficient. And it's got to the stage now. And again, you know, we were talking about emergency medicine. A lot of people say emergency medicine has the craziest rotor. This is mm. probably the most productive I've ever been in my life. Um, mm. You know, in the last 26 years, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, I've got evening shifts. Um, this entire week <laughs> and the weekend and you know here we are doing a podcast and then at the same time i'm launching courses tomorrow and putting oh, an yeah. hour a few hours worth of work and then and i went to the mm. gym yesterday and cooking and all of that so it's it's all it's about trying to, yeah it's all about you know if you're passionate about something you will do it and if you're not yeah. passionate mm. about something no matter what someone says you will never do it so i think no, i think that thing and what i found at work is mm. i think there's it's a stressful job as i'm sure you guys know as well but just maintaining that that limit to let yourself know and to let everyone else know that, you know what, no matter how stressful it is, I'm not going to let it get to me. Because yeah, you yeah. notice sometimes when, you know, everyone's nice. Everyone's nice at work. Mm. But someone may be stressed, in which case, you know, they may, they may, they may act in a way which is not great or not nice. So for example, you know, I've, I've made referrals to registrars or consultants at like 2 a.m. And, and, you know, you, you'd get them being quite abrupt. And I always, yeah. I never mind that. Like to me, I don't know what that person's going through. I don't know if this person has just broken bad news. You know, maybe they've just come out of an eight hour surgery. You don't know. 
And if mm. they shout back at you, I, I'm just like, you know what? That's cool. Like, if you want to let out a bit of steam, that's fine. But so I think yeah. one of the main, I think one of the reasons why I enjoy the job a lot is because mm. that, I guess, is a negative aspect of the job. But I don't take it personally. Yeah, yeah. no, and, I think that's good, and I think it's a very good mindset to have yeah. for other juniors and final year medics that are going through the system. Mm. Um, so, back tell us a little bit about you outside of medicine, outside of the medic life, because our audience and your audience who are now going to be listening in, they want to know what are you like outside of work, outside of other work, uh, right. helping students, mentoring. Yeah. Um, so the little bit and of I mentioned of cars yeah. in this, remember? <laughs> of course, the cars are going to come through because that's one of my biggest passions. And I think kind of where the medical life again started and things started, it all came from, and I can trace this all the way back to my, to my rejection to mm-hmm. not getting into med school and then getting a job and then spending that money on my on the first um, proper car I bought. So the first nice car I had was like, you know, at the age of like 18, I had an Alfa Romeo Giulietta, which at that time was just a hatchback, but it was, it was quick. Nice. I think it was nice, right? Nice, then, yeah. I, I then worked quite a bit, like Saturdays, summer and everything, and I managed to buy, and this is where things started getting a bit crazy. I bought a, a BMW M3. Um, oh, wow. Ouch! <laughs> so that thing, that thing was a bit crazy, and uh, and it was it was amazing, and I love cars, and I think that's where I get like you know that's where my downtime is. Um, any mm, you know, yeah. it's, it's how I relax. Like I go for a nice drive with my music, and that just it's just the nicest feeling ever. And then after yeah. that, I saved up a bit more, and uh, you know that's what I was working loads, and for, and again it goes back to the whole theory. I live on this thing where you work hard. You know, you will get results and then you can enjoy yourself mm. at the same time. So work hard, play hard. Yeah. Um, and that's when I bought my current car, which is a, a VH Jaguar F-Type. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've had that thing for four and a half years. I actually started a YouTube channel on it not too long, like about yeah. years ago. So I saw that I video and it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to be I used to be in the whole YouTube car, YouTube scene. Mm. And I used to go, I used yeah. to do a lot of videos. I used to do car meets and stuff. Um, mm. I, I stopped doing it because, you know, obviously as I, as I got busier and busier, but that's, mm. again, everything in life teaches you things. So that stuff taught me how to video edit a bit. It taught me yeah. you know, how to take decent pictures. And, and it made me a lot mm. more comfortable with being on camera and just talking in in a room. Like, talking in a room is not the easiest yeah. thing, is it? Like, and I think that's no, another course, struggle yeah. a lot of people yeah. have when applying for medical school as well. You know, this year, a lot of the interviews are going to be virtual. So that's that's another mm. challenge. But anyway, so yeah, so cars are one thing. Um, and then I also... I also think that exercise is a huge part of how you live your life i'm a true believer mm. of that um if i yeah. and, and i know you guys mentioned earlier you know i did a i did an integrated bsc with london's air ambulance in pre-hospital medicine mm. which was amazing but my backup was sports medicine and mm. i i got the offer for that but the thing i said to them at the interview they said what kind of project would you look into and my project was would have been the effects of exercise on mental health There's been a lot of studies on it, and a lot of studies have concluded that exercise is actually better for mild to moderate depression than antidepressants. You know, a lot of studies have concluded that, and I'm someone who can relate to that massively because, um, you know, again, the stress of our job, and every day that I do go to the gym, for example, I feel so Mm. much better, so much more relaxed than those days that I don't. And and I I can relate to that. Yeah, and I think I genuinely (laughs) think. Yeah, and I genuinely think that that is one of the main reasons being disciplined enough to regularly get some exercise in your day or at least get a few sessions in a week 
I think I genuinely believe that's the reason why I'm able to do so much. And that's also why you guys are probably able to run a podcast along with full-time jobs and things like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think, yeah. yeah. And it makes a huge, like, for example, after a night shift, I will go to the gym from the hospital, go to the gym, yeah. get a workout in and then come home. And then you just have the nicest sleep. I sleep better than most yeah, other people on a night shift because <laughs> of that, I think. And that was a tip that was given to me by a medical registrar. So he said to me, he's like, he's like, I always work out after night shift. And at that time, I was thinking, how can you do that? That's impossible. But then I did it mm. a few times and you feel amazing and you sleep so much better and you feel more energetic. And it's, it's weird. I'm not even going to, I'm not even joking. You guys are going to be shocked at this. Night shifts mm. are my favorite shifts now. It's weird. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's crazy, oh, isn't wow. it? Like they're the, <laughs> the most productive one. Um, you know, I've, I've done night shifts where I see my friends just before work. Um, this is like yeah. pre-COVID and stuff. And like, mm. I go to the gym, I cook, I get some of the medical stuff done and I still do the night shift. And it's, wow. it's so productive. And I genuinely think it's all down to that gym session after the night shift. Yeah, no, I definitely yeah. agree. And it's nice. It's, it's interesting to see how other medics in this sphere, how they operate, what their mindset is. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff you've said, it kind of reaffirms our thinking and echoes what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but your work rate and ethos is amazing. Even to like schedule this in, there was a lot of back and forth because you know you're super busy we're super busy on our side um but i'm really glad we we finally got to do this Um, me too because it's always nice yeah yeah, to kind of get to know you as an individual um, behind it all kind of see what drives it and even speaking to you now you can see how genuine and passionate you are it just like we would have loved to do it in person but we, no, can we, have tell. we have to meet. We definitely do meet. Um, that's what we can. We can uh, just secure, like, get rid of COVID. You know, fix yeah, that yeah. problem, and then, and then, yeah, once no, of course, goes back to the new. Hundred percent, definitely. No, yeah. it's been a massive pleasure. Um, Likewise, we will probably have a lot of listeners that want to get in touch. How we will definitely put the links below. But how could they reach out to you, or what's your Instagram handle? I'm sorry, so the Instagram but handle. It's is nice from, coming from you. Yeah, the medic life. The dot medic dot life, uh, and of course, the medic is the website where they can get in touch via email um so yeah so i think i think i think in the current day and age social media is becoming such a big thing for most people so you know that's probably the easiest way and of course email so yeah those are the two things no definitely man it's been a massive pleasure so i want to thank you once again and i want to thank the listeners as well guys Um, and i hope you all look after yourself thank you very much for having me honestly it's been an absolute honor being part of this Uh, so yeah amazing work organizing this and i can see what you guys have done is amazing with the podcast and it will only continue to grow so thank you for everyone for listening as well and thank you to you guys for having me and have a lovely day